Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. On this Best Deal episode, we will explore the human side of real estate investing with a seasoned pro about the legendary best deal of their life. A deal isn't just the investment, it is also the person executing it. Stay with us and learn what it takes to be the best investor possible. Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Scott Royal Smith, attorney and real estate investor at large. I'm the owner of Royal Legal Solutions, the one-stop shop for everything real estate investor related for your tax business, legal estate planning, tax savings, tax strategy. We help everything on every front for real estate investors all across the country. Uh, I have a good uh, friend of mine today here on the show. You might know him. His name is Grant Cardone. Uh, you can see his information all over the web. But today, Grant is going to be doing us a huge favor. He's going to be peeling back the curtain and the veneer of what you might typically see. And he's going to be sharing with us some of those deep, rich insights that he has about not just how to make money in real estate, but the other side of the coin, that side of the coin, which is what is going on in between your ears and your mindset as you're walking through uh, one of your best deals or your worst deals here today. So Grant, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, and when well, we talk about the, the day, yeah. I'm really uh, happy to be on here with you. And I love the angle that you take with the, with what's going on with the thinking of the deal. Like, you know, what's, because that, that's not talked about enough. Like the fears that every investor has. Look, I, I've done, my first deal was $78,000. I just, I just, I got awarded a deal yesterday for $98.5 million. Wow. So, Fantastic. The, thing, the fear, the doubt, the, am I doing the right thing? Am I paying too much? Like, uh, that, that doesn't go away, just so everybody knows. No matter what size deals you're doing or how much money you have or, that, that's a healthy thing. People, the responsible fiduciary uh, investor, the, the person that's like, I don't want to lose money and I don't want my money just sitting at the bank. So I need to go aggressively find assets that can produce more money and protect my capital is always going to experience some fear the, to the level of responsibility that you have. You're probably going to experience this, this, this thing that unfortunately traumatizes a lot of people called fear. Yeah, I think sometimes when we go in this too, is that fear is also uh, a lot of times viewed as a negative, right? I think a lot of times entrepreneurs who say fear is bad, fear stops us from taking action. Another way that we could talk about fear though is that fear is information. Fear is information about when we're hitting something that's against our the edge of our comfort zone. I bet that you don't feel afraid doing a deal that, that, that are really small deals that you've done a thousand times. You might still have that same fear now that you're at the edge of your comfort zone with these big deals though. And that tells you, like, okay, cool. This is a place where I need to be aware of what's happening. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think also the, the, the fear can suggest, oh, maybe I don't know enough. You know, may, maybe it's, uh, you know, if I, got, if I got in the ring with Conor McGregor or, or, or Mayweather, I'd be like, there's no fear here. I know how this ends. <laughs> the question is, how fast can I, can I get knocked out? And, and what is that going to feel like? Now, if I've been knocked out a bunch of times, I'm probably less concerned about being hit. No, that's hundred percent. Right. If you've never been hit, dude, like if you've never been through a, a big crash and know what, what goes on, the hysteria, the banks losing tenants, uh, then, then you, you, you're going to have fear because you don't know. Let's say you're going into a new market, 
right? And you don't, you're not familiar with that market. You are going to experience fear, not because you're outside your comfort zones, but because you, you lack knowledge. And I think the fear thing is an indication, hey, I need a little more information here. Cool. And with that too, Grant, is that something that you think about deeply is who's on your team to bring that knowledge to help bring down the fears and insecurity on the deals that you're going into? Well, yes. And, you know, I mean, to be, to be, to be frank, you can't delegate fear, right? So to the degree that I trust the people around me to give me the right data, uh, that's great. But I think, I think delegating this idea that we're going to delegate everything to another person is, is a bit of a misnomer in, in our society. Like these big, big giant companies that delegate everything, they end up dying in the delegation. Nobody can make a decision. Bad decisions are made. Uh, the, the employees are thinking about how to keep their jobs rather than how to get a deal. Look, the biggest mistake I made in real estate was not buying more real estate. What was the biggest mistake that you made in real estate? What's your worst deal look like? It's not buying, not, not buying more real estate. Not buying more. Yeah. Like I should have bought everything. Yeah. I could have bought everything in the last six years. Between 1995 and, and 2000, uh, 2007, I could have bought everything. When 2007 happened, the type of product we're buying, by the way, okay? 2007, I should have doubled and tripled my purchase power. Uh, in the last six years, I could have bought every single asset I looked at except for one, and I would have made money, double and triple my money. So what, what kept you from being able to do that, though? Is that just you didn't have enough information at the time, or you're just too afraid to jump in with both Listen, Listening to too many people below me and around me that don't know what they're talking about. Right, right. How, how do you delegate a $100 million job to, to staff? They haven't done that, dude. Yeah. Like whatever you're stretching into, if it's new for you, I guarantee it's new for them. Do you, in the real estate do you have game, people that, that advise you that are, have done those deals before to yeah, kind of mentor so, you into that? Yeah, so, but, but in, most of your audience is not going to have a big team around them, right? Right. Of super experienced real estate people. You can't afford them. They're expensive. So, so who, who do I rely on now? Oh, I got to rely on the broker. And the broker, the broker wants to pick up his point on the deal. I got to rely on my lawyer. A lawyer, you're, you come from that field. A lawyer, he, he, needs to, he needs to write up my PSA, but he is the wrong guy to give me advice on the deal. Uh, I got an accountant. I got an accountant that, Grant, this thing's not going to cash flow. I mean, I, this, I had this happen two weeks ago. Grant, this, thing, this thing's not going to cash flow enough. Hey, hey, you're not the picker. You're not the picker. You're the accountant. Okay. So, so you got to understand that the people around you, do they have 5,000 units? Oh, really? Why not? Same thing with the broker. He's selling the deal. So, you know, I need to talk to one broker that's selling the deal, another broker that maybe got the listing that didn't sell it. I need to find out from the marketplace, what's the truth and what's not the truth. And you can't delegate that. Because you're in your from your perspective, Grant, then that it's it's really you are the one that has to know that as the as the picker of saying that I gotta get all the best information, I'm gonna make a decision on it. I think personally, I believe that picking the, the right real estate is the most important thing in the deal. It's not the numbers, it's not the cap rate, it's not the returns, it's not the cash flow. It's picking the right product. If you pick the wrong product, you can't fix it with a spreadsheet. You can't, you can't fix it with kitchens. 
like you, you can, you can improve it a little bit, but you can actually go backwards spending money on the wrong deal. Yeah. So, so the pick to me, the pick is the most important thing. When we pick, I pick to exit. So I pick, I pick saying, okay, who is going to buy this for me? Let's, let's say I put uh, 10 million down on a deal and it was 30 million. Who is going to give me my 10 back and another 10? Cause I'm looking for a minimum of a double on a deal with, with cash flow. So when I buy a deal, I'm not looking just me owning the deal. I'm looking at who is my buyer. Oh, well, $30 million deals. It might be a family office or a group of uh, doctors that get together four doctors, right. That are going to put down $10 million in finance uh, and buy it for 40 million. Okay, then I gotta be like, okay, 10 years from now, if I'm a seller in seven years, five years, seven years, or 10 years, what's going on in healthcare? Can that doctor buy it from me? Do those doctors even exist? Do they have the money anymore? So I gotta know who my exit is, right, when I'm picking something. Now, now to, the, to the degree that I can get secured on my exit, my certainty on the deal goes up, and even what I'm willing to pay for the deal goes up. Now I can start tinkering with all this other stuff that, that I have a bunch of people around me um, uh, that can support me with data, like an analyst, an accountant, uh, you know, setting up the PSA. And, and so that's what you would look for is then saying when you get into the deal before you even buy this deal and when you're picking this deal, you got to know what your exit's going to be and you got to have what, and know what your relative certainty is that you got an 80% certainty or 90% certainty. If it's 50%, maybe that's a deal Grant doesn't do because he's saying, yeah, this is, I can't be sure on this one. So I can't really bid it the way that I'd want to. Is that kind of what you're thinking? When I, when I drive up to a property, I know within 30 seconds whether I'm buying it or not. Wow, how could you know so quickly on, on that? Is it just an intuition from looking at so many properties? I had a guy in here yesterday. He says, he says, you know, he says, look, Grant, I, I'll look at 3,000 units in, in a week. I said, dude, I'll look at 3,000 units in a day. He's like, you can't look at that many units in a day. I said, sure I can. As soon as I drive up, if I don't like it, I'm not buying it. I'm not going to try to figure it out. I'm not going to underwrite it. I'm not going to entertain it. Yeah, but that, that tells me that you got to know something that the rest of us don't have broken down into a formula. That's like what artists say, right? Artists will say that a lot too. Hey, I can see it and I just know it when I see it and that's where it is, you know, when it comes through it. But I think that comes from your experience, right? The investor should know enough about the real estate. The numbers will not make sense. If the, numbers, the numbers on a deal don't determine whether it's a good deal or not. Yeah. Right. So like if I look back over my history, my career, there, there was a piece of property in La Jolla, California that was for sale. I drove by it. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, I, I like like you, you want to talk about mistakes. I'm driving down the road. I look to my right. I know the, exactly the car I'm in. I, I can feel the temperature in the air right now. And uh, I look to my right. I'm like, my, if I could buy that piece of real estate, I will get rich on that one purchase. And then, then I got the data. It was like a three and a half cap. And then the guy's like, Grant, it's just not going to return you any money. It's stupid. Rudy, Rudy, the, the, the broker guy, he came out of the broker space. He's like, dude, it's ridiculous. Three and a half. Okay. So you know what I did? I took his data and disregarded what I knew. I knew this was a good piece of real estate. This was park place, man. And, and I didn't buy it. Okay. I would have made on that purchase. I think that deal was going to be, I don't know. I don't even know how much it was, 10 or 12 million bucks, probably worth 150 million bucks today. 
Wow. So, so the point of that is this, right? Where, where, are we, where are we getting our advice from? You know, if you look at most real estate guys today, they're looking for returns. They talk about eight caps and 10 caps and 12 caps. That's not good real estate. That's not what life insurance companies are buying. We, we should look to, to a different group of people for, for our data. The data points, the data points should come from the wealthy, not your uncle, not, not your rich uncle that's worth a million bucks and been buying section eight and he's got 80 houses and he's got to carry a gun to each one of the properties to collect the rents. I mean, that's one way to do real estate. But if I look at the big boys, okay, what is Goldman Sachs buying? What is the Brookstones buying? What, what are the Blackstones buying? What are the, the all states and the state farms buying? Dude, they're buying quality real estate that has lower returns and high dependability to, to stay rented and cash flow for long periods of time. Hmm. So you're, you're looking at saying what are major institutions buying and then looking at um, their public information reports that they put out and say, what are the assets that we have on the books? Cause they're public entities. They got to disclose that. And yeah. say, hey, well, let's look, learn from them and see why they're doing that. Yeah. Because look in the next crash, will Blackstone still be buying? Well, every, all of them are, they'll probably buy more. Will Dr. Black, will Dr. Black be able to buy? Probably not, you know, or maybe, maybe he's terrified. Yeah. Like he's yeah. freaking terrified. That's why, that's why the, I wrote this book, uh, how to create wealth investing in real estate. Okay. And it's, it's like people, people are the, the first deal I did was one unit. Okay. It's, it's a mistake people make in real estate, right? It's like, let's start slow. You know, let's buy, let's buy, we got $3,000. Let's buy a deal. You're not, this isn't a trip to target. This is a piece of real estate that could last longer than your marriage. Okay. I, I own real estate that will last longer than most businesses. Most fortune 500 companies will last today. Okay. The, the average company today is lasting about 18 years. It's on the shrink. They used to last like 38 years. Now they're down to 18 years. It'll probably go under a decade here in a little bit because you have all this disruption going on. So when I buy a piece of real estate, I'm like, dude, I'm a, I could be with this thing. This thing could be with me after I die for my kids. What am I buying here? Right? Buy a great piece of real estate and figure out how to get the money down to do that deal. That's going to be a better exercise of energy. And so that first deal that I did was I bought it on a budget. I had three grand. I could get approved. I told the bank I was going to live in it. I wasn't. You know, it was a way to get a cheap loan, almost no money down. I rented it to somebody and my first experience after six months, the tenant moved out. I was negative cash flow, and I almost never bought another piece of real estate. And that happens to a lot of people. A lot of people get into real estate. They have a bad experience the first time because the deal was too small. And then they never go back and pursue another deal. The deal's too small and the small deal actually has too much risk, right? Because anything that can go wrong, like a tenant moves out for a month and all of a sudden you're, you're wiped out, right? You're hundred percent vacant. Yeah. You know, so I don't want to be a hundred percent vacant. I want to, during, during a recession, I want to be able to be at 88. I want to be at 88, 86 and still have a cash flow so I can keep it so that when things come back, I'm back at 95, 96, 97 and I got cash flow and somebody will find that cash flow, not just the property, the cash flow will be attractive. Add to that, the location, add to that jobs coming in. And, and I got a, I got a buyer that's willing to pay a premium. It's a beautiful thing. And I was just reading a book about this grant about uh, talking about the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people, people that accumulate huge wealth. 
And uh, one of the, the key indicators that they, they were able to pull from the data of this was that it was how quickly you re-engaged on the activity after a failure. Unsuccessful people will fail and sit before they try to go in again. Successful people jump right back into it to be able to say, okay, how can I get back into this? And they double down. It's like that whole thing about like, you got to jump back on the horse. And yeah. I was wondering how long did it take you from your first investment? It didn't sound like it was a total failure, but to, you know, to get into the next deal, was that something that you noticed was true for you to get back on the horse? Well, this is what I did. What, what I did was I, sit, I sat down, I just took responsibility. I'm like, what did I do wrong here? It's not the real estate. I bought the wrong kind of real estate. So there's something I did incorrect here. And what happened, it goes back to that first thing about the fear, right? It's, I bought a deal based on a budget. So I went and studied, okay, Don, Donald Brent. Okay, Donald Brent, he's one of the, the, the wealthiest real estate owners in the country. What did he buy? Dude, he, he, he accumulated apartments, apartments, not single family houses. He bought apartments in Orange County. He focused on one territory and built out. He, he bought in the beginning and then he started building later. And then now he's building single family homes. But I mean, Donald Brim basically owns Orange County. He is Orange County. And, and so I'm like, what, what was he doing? Oh, what did Donald Trump's dad do? I don't know what Donald Trump's done, but I know his dad, Fred, uh, was buying uh, building actually. He built low income, affordable housing for people that came back from World War II and provided them with rentals. And I'm like, oh my God, what was I doing? I bought one unit. I should have been buying 10 or 12. So my next deal, my next deal would take three years to do. But three-year timeline to get the deal done. Well, because I didn't know enough yet. I knew I had done something wrong. My next deal would take three years to execute on. Uh, and uh, uh, but, but every weekend, I was shopping a different kind of real estate. I was no, no longer shopping one door. Now I was shopping 10 doors, uh, uh, 30 doors. I, start, I started realizing, dude, I got to get to around 30 doors for this thing to cash flow. Okay, because 10 doors would only produce like 500 bucks a month. I'm like 500 bucks a month. If I need 500 bucks a month, I can go do that in my job. So I realized, I, I quickly realized I needed a certain amount of units to get enough cash flow to warrant my time and energy to do the deal. Uh, and, and so I started shopping those deals. I found my next deal I found in another state, by the way, I'd moved from Houston to, to, to uh, San Diego. So I had to get familiar with that market now. That took a little while and found the, my, my next deal. My, next, my first real, real, real real estate deal was 38 units. It was $1.9 million. I had to put 350,000 down rather than 3,000. I made $5 million on that, that, that deal. So it's a, it's three a beautiful years, three years where I was getting my data correct. Right. Uh, paid me $5 million more than college ever paid. And I, if I had to take a guess too, from one of the things we've talked about so far too, is that you're actually reviewing properties that you identified prior, maybe five, 10 years ago and see how do they perform over time? Yeah. You know what, you know what I think is fascinating about this grant is that what, here's what I see. What I see what you did is that you said, I'm going to get into a piece of real estate here, right? And I'm going to go ahead and get my feet wet and it didn't work out the way I wanted to. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there and just start pulling all the information. I'm going to keep plowing ahead, focus energy. I'm going to see tons of deals, get my base right to be able to know exactly what the deals are that I'm looking for. And then I'm going to start making more deals after that. 
And what's cool about what you do that I think a lot of people don't do, which I think is probably a key to your success, is that you're paper trading all of your deals over time too to refine your intuition to know, I know exactly when I come into your deal, what's going to be a good deal. And that's what it makes you be able to look at a deal in 30 seconds is because you haven't looked at that deal once you've looked at that deal 50,000 times. Oh, totally dude. I, I've looked at millions of pieces of real estate. Like I'm on the internet looking, I mean, today you can look at so much stuff. I know I literally, look, I bought 1100 units on the coast of Florida. I looked at two units out of the 1100. I knew when I drove up, I'm buying the portfolio. I paid $58 million for that portfolio. I knew the moment I drove on the property, called my wife, I said, we will make some money. I mean, we will make some big money on this deal. She's like, well, what's big money? I said, I don't know. We're gonna make 10 or 15, maybe $20 million. I bought the 1100 units. I looked at two units. Dude, if you gotta look at, you, you got a portfolio of 1100 units. If you gotta go through every one of them, it's cause you got doubt or you haven't looked at enough units yet. Because once you look at one apartment, they're they all, they all the same. There's a kitchen in there. Oh shit, a kitchen. <laughs> wow, new thing happening, man. <laughs> oh, oh my God, we got a patio, okay? Like backsplash, right? It's like a kitchen's a kitchen. Like it, it, it's all like, once you've seen one, is it eight foot, nine foot? When was it built? If you tell me when it was built, I'm gonna, if you tell me, if you tell me what the rents are, I could probably tell you what it's built and vice versa. Tell me when it was built, I should be able to tell you what the rents are. Tell me what the rents are, I should be able to tell you when it went rent. I should be able to tell you the height, height of the uh, ceilings. So if you don't, if people don't have that kind of data in their mind, that's why the rapper, that's why the artist says, I did that in, because dude, he's done a million pieces. And any piece he didn't do, he looked at a million pieces or 10 million pieces. Or he's heard, he's heard the, the hook in a song so many times. Yeah. Well, you, you, you've heard it too, but, but even to be able to know the numbers that you're talking about, Grant, about like, I can tell you, tell me that you tell me the, the condition of the property or the year it's built. I can tell you the dollar figure because you know the market and you know what those deals look like enough to say, oh, I know that a, an eight foot ceiling is really different than a 10 foot ceiling. And it's about $40 difference. And you can just. I had a guy in my office yesterday. Okay. We're yeah. talking about, we, we, we want to take Cardone Capital to $10 billion. We're at almost a billion dollars right now. And he came in. I'm like, I, I want to take this company at $10 billion. And I said to him, I said, hey, dude, what are the rents across the street? Right out my office, there's a, there's a Camden owned apartment. He's like, well, I don't know. Uh, he's been doing this 30 years. I don't know. And da, 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 and da, da, da. And like, dude, just pick a number. He's like, what do you think they're worth? I said, I don't know, I'll write my number down, you write your number down. By the way, I've never shopped the apartment deal. I looked out, I said 2,300 bucks a month. He says, oh, I think they're around two grand, okay? I said, good, we called up over there. I said, how much are the rents here? 2,354, okay? He was that's what you, you gotta know it. You gotta know it to that level in your mind to say that's how you know when you're making a good deal. Dude, you, you gotta, gotta know. know the problem, you gotta know. You, oh, send me your, Send me your trailing 12, man. Send me your, you ought to know what the rents are. I yeah. got, I can, I can make an offer on a piece of property without seeing the guys, uh, uh, T12. Yeah. So, so to your viewer that's watching right now, look, I'm not a genius. Okay. But maybe I am, maybe I am a genius. And, and, and the good news is either I'm not a genius or everybody can be a genius if you commit and this is why your show is so important because real estate, the kind of real estate I'm buying today at Cardone Capital, 
is the most valuable asset on planet Earth today. It protects your capital. If you buy the right thing, you are not going to lose money. Like, I'd have to have a, a North Korea event to, 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 to lose the property, at which point everybody's lost everything. So it doesn't matter. It, it's, a, it's a constant. So one, I'm not going to lose money if, if I'm not over leveraged. Two, I get cash flow out of that property. Okay. Three, I should get a double or a triple. If rents continue to go up, they have since 1945. But if you don't know all this to be true for you, right? If you're still in doubt, oh my God, uh, 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 maybe I'm better off with cash in the bank. Cash in the bank is going to zero. Yeah. Oh, I'm better off with an ETF. See, see, you're not a real estate investor yet if you're looking at ETFs. To, to me, you're not. If, you, if people understood real estate the way I would uh, do, they would never have one penny in the stock market. And, 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 and they would not own a piece of a REIT, even a real estate investment trust. They would not own that piece of paper. They would want the depreciation that comes along with that real estate. Mm-hmm. So, so you're, you're thinking that, that is that fundamental in your point of view to saying, Hey, for every single person that's out there that says you got money in stocks that you can control, you got cash in the bank. You need to go through the hard work of finding the data, finding the information, getting yourself comfortable and, and getting into a piece of real estate as quickly as you can. I, I would tell, I was doing a, a real estate conference. There was about 5,000 real estate investors there in Dallas. And I said, Hey, how many of you in the room have equity in your home? 80% of the room. I said, then you guys don't love real estate. And they're like, what? Why would you have equity in one door when that equity could be working to buy you 300 doors? If one door is good, 300 uh, that pay you would be better. Mm -hmm. So I said, you guys don't believe in real estate the way I do because I don't have any equity in my house. In fact, I don't have a house. I rent where I live. I own where I collect income. Uh, number two, how many of you in the room have ETFs? You're in ETFs, mutual funds, you're diversified in the stock market, 80% of the room. Then you guys don't believe in real estate. So, so why would I want my money in that stuff? That's not what I do. I'm a real estate guy, I'm not a stock guy. Okay, I, I, if, I go, if I go, I'm going to go to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm going to play a little blackjack. I'm going to play, you know, two hours of blackjack. I'm going to play $25. Nobody, nobody in the room is going to know I got a billion dollars worth of real estate. I'm not going to play like I got a billion dollars worth of real estate. I'm going to play $25 because I'm an amateur. But dude, when you play the real estate game and you're like, wait, I can't lose this game. How can I lose if I don't over leverage, which to me is about 65% loan to value. I'm going to put 35% down for every, every million dollars. I'm going to put 350 down. Okay. If I don't over leverage, if I buy good locations, I got positive job growth. Okay. I'm willing to go to markets that have job growth. I'm not, I don't have to buy where I live. Okay. And, and if I get positive and I can sit out and I can wait for seven, eight, nine, 10 years, 12 years, if I need to, how do I lose money in that? I was wondering to ask you about that too, is that I've had a lot of uh, um, great people come on the, on the show um, that you might know of. Uh, and one of the consistent uh, themes that we get over time is that saying, it's like, you gotta be thinking in long-term, like think in terms of decades, not in years. 
And so when you think in terms of decades, you don't care about whether the market goes ups or downs. You're worried about big trends, job growth. What are rents going to look like? If, if I have low LT, if I have, um, you know, 65%, 70% LTVs, then, you know, it goes ups, downs, doesn't matter. I'm still looking pretty. I'm still covering my note. And eventually things are going to rebound. So real estate, you can't lose if you can hold it for enough time. And that becomes something that I think a lot of people get too short-sighted. Do you see that as like one of the pieces that holds people back because they're thinking, well, I got to have it perform and it's got to perform for every month and they need to be thinking more long-term? Well, it should, it should cash flow every month. I, I like the cash flow every month. I think the expectations on the cash flow needs to be adjusted so that people can make good decisions that they want to keep something for long periods of time. You know, the two mistakes I've made in real estate was I didn't buy enough number one, and number two, I should have not sold anything. Like there's one deal that I had that I don't regret selling. Everything else I regret selling. What's the deal that, what's the deal you regret? Uh, there was a deal I did. I mean, I don't really regret it, but there was a deal I did. It was 2 million, uh, it, was, uh, it was, I think that, that it never cash flowed. I knew it wasn't gonna cash flow. It was just a bad neighborhood. I bought a portfolio. And I didn't really research. I got lazy at the end on this one, this one other deal that, that was buried in the deal. It was just problematic, dude. I get a phone call one day. This little girl is being drowned in the pool right now by another little boy. There was break-ins in the fence. The property was in Tucson. I went in Tucson. I bought 2,200 units in three days. And I made $12 million on the, on the portfolio. But that deal never cash flowed and it just bugged me. I should have kicked it out. It, it, it bugged me not because it, made, it it bugged me because I didn't do my, I knew when I drove up, uh, but, and, but I, but I, but I kind of laid down. It's like taking somebody home with you and you're like, this ain't going any place, but I'm gonna take her home with me anyway. Yeah. And where, where does that leave you? Just a, the whole lot of, of pain and grief at the end of it, right? Like, how do I get out of this situation? Like, <laughs> yeah. How quickly can I gnaw like, off my own arm? Get out of here. Please don't. <laughs> so, so, what, so sometimes I find that when I'll, 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 I'm victim of the, of the same thing, right? Of where I'll make a decision in that one. Sometimes it's even decisions I know I shouldn't make. And sometimes I'll do them anyway into that. And then sometimes I'll look at that and I, I usually look at that and say, hey, you know, there's probably other things that are going on in my life or things that I didn't do um, in, the, in the same time. So one of the things I do, you know, as a pretty type A kind of person in a lot of ways is I constantly have to check in with myself about saying, like, am I doing all the stuff to keep my head right? You know, am I doing like my meditation, my journaling or the other, or am I working out every day? That's a huge one, getting the endorphins going, getting the blood pumping, you know, into it. And I can find that my, you know, when I look back, just like your paper trading, you know, uh, real estate deals over time, I think you can probably do the same thing with decision making. Say, where am I making my best decisions or worse? So what am I doing to make sure I'm making the best decisions? I'm wondering if you've ever looked at anything that's like that for you of saying, you know, when I'm doing these things, this is how I know that I'm preparing myself, you know, mentally, physically, and otherwise to know that I'm going to be making the best decisions and doing all the right things. Well, for me, it's, you know, my meditation is looking at deals. Yeah. You know, as long as I'm looking at a lot of deals, dude, I'm talking to a lot of people about deals. Like, like if you're going to play this game, I, I, I own 14 little businesses here. Okay. The, the, the real estate game is the only one that explodes like, like it does. So it, it has the potential. Once I put the, the, the once I put the, 
once I buy the right piece of real estate, it's like Monopoly, man. It's just simple. It's, it's, you get Boardwalk and Park Place, there's a real good chance you own the whole board. You just got to be patient. It's just how many times can we, how many times, you, you, you can be broke for two or three swings around the neighborhood and then all of a sudden, bam, you know? And, and, and so can you cash flow? you know, while you're in the deal. And then I need to readjust my thinking when I got guys coming in paying more because they know something I don't know. I was just, I was just outbid on a deal by $4 million. There was five groups. We were all about the same price. And this one group said, I'll pay 4 million more than that. I thought I was overpaying where I was by 10. I thought, okay, I'm overpaying. I'm, I'm really stretching to buy this deal. They paid another four. So rather than me saying, hey, this, you know, hey, what, what do I not see here? Oh, by the way, if my horizon was 20 years, $4 million on a $200 million deal will not matter. This is the thing the little investor does dumb stuff that I did. Okay, you're looking at a deal, maybe it's $5 million, and you're making a decision over 50 grand. Like you're going back over and over, Oh my God, man, it's got this thing and I got to do this thing and it's going to cut 50 grand on a $5 million deal is a, a rounding era. Oh, my damn legal fees are going to be 15. I'm getting killed on legal. Stupid, man. Okay. Be happy that you can pay legal fees and that you're getting a deal. So it, it, it's, it's, it's dumbness. It's because so many of us have been brought up by people that are little thinkers you know, buy low and sell high. That, that phenomenon, that idea that, that exists extremely heavily in, in real estate, buy low and sell high. I had, I had an uncle that did a lot of that. He, he was a section eight guy, right? Oh, buy low. You make your money when you buy the deal. So he ended up with 80 single family homes where he had to go collect the rent every month. I'm like, I looked at that. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm traveling around the country, speaking to large audiences. People pay me money to do that. I don't want to go collect rents, you know, $200, get, get $400 from the government, $200 from Johnny boy. Hey, I need my 200, John, you're late. I don't want to do that. That, that to me is not the freedom of real estate. It's one way to do it. So, so why am I worried about 15 grand on a $5 million deal when, when you should be buying the deal because you think it's going to make one or two or three or four or $5 million. So you're looking saying that we need to look at long-term growth. Let's make sure our cash flows are going in strong. When we buy the deal, we don't want to get eaten up on not having cash flows in every month. Let's look longer. And then if you look long-term enough, if I hear you right, Grant, what you're saying is don't worry about the nickels and dimes or the, the nickels and the pennies that come along. Just make sure you find the deal that excites you, that you feel good on, that you know is going to work, and then just commit to it. I bought, I bought a deal in Austin, Texas for $16 million, for $12 million, sold it four months later for 16. I made $4 million in, in four months or something. Like the deal, the, my, my deal, the, 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 the paperwork it, on the loan wasn't even like dry yet. And I made 4 million, okay? This was uh, maybe four or five years ago. The guy that bought it for me sold it for $28 million. I left $12 million on the table because I went and picked up that quick four. Mm. I underestimated how much rents were going to grow. Why? Because I didn't have data. 
So, so I made the right purchase. I didn't hold it long enough. Uh, rents in Austin, Texas, forget rents in Austin, Texas. In the United States of America, rents have grown since 1945 with almost no interruptions. If the rents grow, the property goes up in value, period. If the rents grow, the value of the property increases because the person buying that property is not buying uh, the property. They're buying the cash flow. You just got to look in those types of terms and then it's almost like a no brainer that you have to, you have to it's get a into no -brainer, it. Dude. Yeah. That's why I'm like, like, dude, if that's the deal, then it is a no brainer. And why would I look at ETFs? Why would I keep equity in the house? And why would I have cash in the bank? Yeah. I'd want to get my cash out of the bank that earns nothing, you know, 2% on a, on a 18 month CD, maybe I would rather take 2% on a piece of real estate that could go up in value. Yeah. Get the capital appreciations with that. Yeah. What, what happens, Grant, whenever you're getting into a deal and you get beat out? Because you're saying, you're talking about saying, I got beat out of a deal. Somebody overbid me and then saying, they must know something that I don't. Is your next move to say like, how can I get that person into a lunch to figure out what do they know that I don't know? Or what are you doing? No, it's, it's, it's how do I get them on my, my list to be sellers to? Okay. So like, oh, wow, dude, what they know something. They know something. They got a lot of money. What do they know? I don't know. Oh, oh, this 4% money is cheap. They're trying to place debt right now. Their cost of capital is cheap. Uh, what do they know? They, 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 well, I, they know something. They're not stupid people. Yeah. Okay. So it, it makes me think, oh, they're stupid. They overpaid. I don't think so. You know, look, if you, if you pay cash for the deal, how can you overpay for it? Tell me more about that. Well, this deal was, uh, we thought the deal was going to go up between $195 million and $200 million. Okay. My last bid was 205. It was a gr an aggressive bid, 205. Uh, I knew there were other players. There should be other players on your deals, by the way. Two, two things you should look for in your deals. There should be other buyers. That suggests an exit. Uh, that portfolio that I told you I bought, 1,100 units, there was 38 buyers on the deal. I knew if I could close the deal that day, one of those 38 would step up and pay me a premium to take that contract. They would regret it. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. 38 guys, one of them be like, fuck, I, I should have paid another $2 million. I will now. Once they lose, then they're willing to pay. We've all had that experience. Yeah. So <clears throat> when, when, when these guys paid the the when I found out they paid 4 million more than me, I now know uh, that, that if they pay 209 and they have a 10, 15 year horizon, they pay cash for the deal. They can't lose it. You agree with that? Yeah. It can't go to zero, right? So you can't really lose it. Can't go bankrupt. Go zero, right? dude. Every, every yeah. idea, Every idea that, that, that every business that you have, Amazon's done. If this property, this is in Doral County, uh, Miami, South Miami, rents are two grand a month. You know, plenty of workers there that need, that, that can't buy a home here. It's just not gonna happen. Uh, if, if this goes away to zero, a Amazon's out of business, Facebook is done, the internet's collapsed, uh, maybe planet Earth has disappeared in a black hole. 
That's awesome. What a great way of thinking, Grant. I know we got to wrap up for today uh, with, uh, with the show and with your busy, very busy schedule. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to share some of these deeper insights. I think there's things that we learned here today that uh, aren't even in your home study course. I want to come back to your show too, dude. I love what you're doing. Like I do a lot of podcasts. The, the, what you're doing, Scott, for real estate investors uh, is, is a phenomenal value. So I'd love to come back and do your show again. I'd love to have you, Grant. We'll, we'll hook it up with the people and, and get that going. Thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith. Uh, this is Royal, from Royal Legal Solutions. We're doing free LLCs for every single person in the United States. Every single person in the United States is going to get asset protected under my watch. So free LLCs from Royal Legal Solutions, seriously free. Love you, Grant. Thanks for everything, brother. I need an LLC. I need a free LLC, man. I'm gonna all, get- all you got to do, come to royallegalsolutions.com, sign up in the contact form, and we'll get you on Grant right away. Awesome. Thanks, brother. That's all for this Best Deal episode, and I'm your host, Scott Royal-Smith, with the Real Estate Nerds Podcast. When investments go good, they can go great. Your legendary Best Deal could be your next one, so keep at it. Thank you for joining us, and if you enjoyed the show, leave a review to help clue in those sleeping masses for what they need to know and what we all need reminders of. Do your good deed for the day, and I'll see you again soon.